Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Thank you, Lord. Let, let's pray to get into the Word. I want to share something very dear to my heart this morning, and I'm believing God that. Uh, the God will grant utterance And through this We will get our lives back in shape The way it should be Praise God Let's pray Father thank you because I'm anointed to teach Thank you because your people are anointed to receive And together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word In Jesus' mighty name we pray. This uh, morning, uh, I'll be sharing on growing up spiritually in a busy world. Growing up spiritually in a busy world. And uh, it's important for us to understand that our goal as Christians or our goal as children of God is not just to mark uh, attendance in church on a Sunday morning, give our tithes, okay, uh, just do our devotions, and that's okay. No. Uh, there is a goal for us to grow up spiritually. There is a goal for us to grow up spiritually, to be more matured in the things of God. So, uh, being a Christian is not just answering the altar call and, uh, you know, just gliding through, doing the basics. You know, it's like they ask you, Have you prayed today? Yeah, I prayed. Have you read the Bible today? I read the Bible. And it looks like that's all there is. If we are not <clears throat> very careful, Christianity can just be another part of our life. So, you have a job, you go to work, you belong to a social club, you also are a Christian. So, what are the things that Christians do? They go to church, they give their tithes. And if we're not careful, we can reduce this whole thing to that. That's on one side. On the, on the other hand, if we're also not careful, the busyness in the world can literally choke our spiritual growth. And that is uh, our emphasis this morning, where my concern is. The desire of every parent is that their kids will grow up fully developed and matured. If you have a child, every parent have one desire, that their children would be fully matured. See, the, the goal of a parent is not that they should just have children. It's that the children should do what? Be grown, be fully developed. That's why when uh, parents have a child that's not fully developed at a certain age, they become very concerned. They become very concerned. 
They want to do everything possible to make sure that the children are fully developed and matured. Not just having children, but that these children are fully developed. They are fully matured. They are fully grown. God shares this same desire as he compares himself to a nursing mother. If you read Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15, Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. So, in this passage of scripture, we find God comparing himself to a nursing mother. God compares himself to a nursing mother. We see God comparing himself to a nursing mother. Now, uh, what's the goal of a nursing mother? Do you think that any nursing mother wants to have their child constantly being nursed by them? You know, you meet this, this woman. Say, oh, how old is your baby? You say, oh, he's 12 years. So, why is he still being nursed by you? He say, I just enjoy the feeling. Right? Or, no, he's still a baby. No. If at a, at a certain age, uh, every woman would win the child. Even if you're doing baby friendly, you can't do baby friendly for 10 years. You can see where well, I like this child so much. How many of you think that you can do baby friendly for 10 years? No, you become a source of a concern. So you realize that the goal of even a nursing mother is to nurse the child to a point where they are fully developed. That's the same goal God has for you. To come to the place of maturity in your walk with God. So Christianity is not so much as, a, as you're just ticking the right boxes as opposed to are you growing, are you developing, are you maturing in the things of God. Now, in Isaiah, God compares himself to a nursing mother. What, what's the reason God gave the five-foot ministry? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, the reason God gave the five-fold ministry is to ensure that the saints grow up spiritually and they are matured. Ephesians chapter 4, if you start reading from verse 11... And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a mature man, that word mature is telos, to a matured man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. God wants us matured. Tell your neighbor, God wants you matured. Say to the next person, say, God wants you matured. Praise God. You see, the goal of God for us is maturity. That's your goal. That's your aim. To be matured. It's not just to be a Christian. It's to be matured. To be a fully developed, matured believer. 
Now, it goes on to say, uh, verse 14, As a result, we are no longer to be children. He doesn't want us to remain children. Tossed here and there by waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So, the goal of our growth is established. We are to grow up into the fullness of Christ. You see, when God gave us, uh, when God gave us pastors, apostles, teachers, prophets, and evangelists, He gave them to us to mature us. Are you following this? Come on, are you following this? He gave them to us so you can become matured. He didn't give them to you so you call them Papa. Huh? He didn't give them to you so that you leave all your prayer for them. He didn't give them to you so that, um, I don't know how to put it, but He didn't give them to you so they'll do your spiritual walk. You know, I, I've heard that there are some pastors who take money so that they can fast for people. It's... It, it, Two things can result in that. Extreme poverty and joblessness. Those are the two reasons why pastors should do that. To take money from you so he can fast for you. Two things can be responsible for that. Number one, extreme poverty. So the fasting is a multiple source of income. And joblessness. He doesn't have anything to do so he can just be doing that. And by the time... And you see, those people deceive you because they collect from you, collect from you, collect from you. So how is the fasting measured? Because uh, they are supposed to fast seven days for you, right? And then they collected from this person um, seven days and collected from this person. Seven times three is what? Twenty-one days. So he's supposed to do twenty-one days. But since three of you came one day, he collected your money. And did one seven days for you people. You already know that that prayer will not be answered because by the time you divide that, it's not, you know, I don't know, but I don't know how they calculate it. But don't do that. You're wasting your money. Uh, let me also say this fasting doesn't change God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Fasting doesn't change God. Fasting is putting you, I've thought of fasting before, fasting puts you in a position. To be able to hear God. You deny your flesh. Okay? Some of, some of us, when we fast, we just waste time. Because what we actually do is hunger strike. We just fast. We are not eating. You know? We just pack all the clothes. We just pack all the dirty clothes. Even your neighbor's clothes. Say, do you have dirty clothes? Say, yes. say please give me. Say, what happened? Say, ah, today is our fasting day. I don't have anything to do. <laughs> so you keep washing from morning, afternoon, evening. Those of you who are washing machines, you will load everything, bed sheet, mattress, everything, just to occupy. Eh? You're going to close the, the fast by 6. By 5.30, you are close to the fridge. You have arranged everything you are going to cook. You have, and once it's 6 o'clock, you, you've wasted your time. Fasting is not designed to be a hunger strike. It's supposed to be a time where you're separated to the Lord. To fellowship with the Lord. To get the wisdom of God where something is concerned. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I've said it here times again without number. There is nothing like dry fasting. 
Don't do that. You will destroy yourself. Okay? It's not that when you deny yourself food, you now deny yourself water. God's heart will really be touched. God's heart was touched when he sent Jesus on your behalf. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that dry fasting thing, just throw it away. Alright? It's part of African traditional religion that came into Christianity. Somebody said, well, but there are people in the scriptures... I don't know why I'm saying this. Maybe it just helps somebody. Listen, there are only three people who fasted 40 days in the Bible. Right? Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And all of them had spiritual assignments and they were sustained by the presence of the Lord. Okay? It's not that the number of days you fast is the number of how your miracle would... I don't know how these things happen. But it's just wrong teaching, wrong practice that make you very religious. But at the same time, it's not productive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you have people just having elongated fast, elongated fast, and you're becoming more wicked. <laughs> Last year they did 61 days. This year they're doing 72 days. And that wickedness is the fact that they've been fasting and God has not been answering them. So that anger to God is not transferred to a human being. But you realize that the way you treat people affects your prayers. So the, even if the answer was closer, it shifted more backwards. So maybe you should just eat. Maybe you should just come to a church where you are taught the word of God. Maybe you should just believe what the scripture says. That you are a new man in Christ. Maybe, just maybe, if you choose to believe God's word, as opposed to stuff that's been peddled around as doctrines, which are essentially doctrines of men. Am I against fasting? Absolutely no. But you see, you have to fast in the right way. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so it says that uh, we should be matured and not be children tossed to and fro. So God doesn't want you to be a child. So we're not just talking about religious things. We're talking about growing up so you're not a baby. If not, things will throw you. You know, a child is tossed to and fro. You know, a child, you know, a child can leave their parents and follow somebody else because of biscuits. You can just carry your baby like this. And somebody is eating biscuits. They will stretch their hands. They will go. And they are gone. No respect for the nine months you carry them on your... No respect for the fact that they are answering your son's name. In fact, they can change their names. That's how trickle the child is. Have you ever visited somewhere with your child and your child decides they want to stay there? Oh, you haven't? That means you haven't visited some places. When you go to some places, your child will say they are not going back home, right? And then you, you start going. And after a few minutes, they will call you, come and carry, the child is crying. Toe, stone and throw. And some Christians are like that, very unstable. Once you hear this pastor is raining, you would follow them like, like people looking for new shirts. And whatever that pastor is teaching becomes your new doctrine. Then tomorrow, another pastor is reigning. And that's why you find this, you know people say there are a lot of conflicting doctrines in the body of Christ. They are not conflicting doctrines, they are confusing people. The doctrine of Christ is one and the same. If you would allow the scriptures to interpret itself, there is no how you will not come to maturity. Are you following this now? Come and I said, are you following this now? Now, so Jesus says, when we speak the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. Ephesians 4.15. 
So, our goal in the Christian faith is maturity. Everybody say maturity. I'd like you to pay attention to that. We're not just talking about do your prayers in the morning. No, we're saying growing up spiritually to becoming matured in the things of God. Immature believers will do no good to the kingdom. It's like you have a baby that's not matured. You now have another baby. You now have another baby. At the end of the day, you're looking after three kids. Even though there are age differences, uh, there's age difference in them, you realize that if one is not mature, they cannot help you. So if we want to do things for God, maturity is compulsory. Are you still here? Alright. 1 Peter 2.2. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.2. Let's see what Peter said. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. You know, <laughs> every time you, you hear all kinds of things being taught and being peddled around. Uh, 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Let's, let's start reading from verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice... All deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. He was writing to believers. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow what? In respect to what? Salvation. Your maturity is in respect to what? Salvation. What will cause you to grow up is to desire Pay attention to this. The sincere milk of the word. You don't listen to all kinds of things and grow up. Some teachings will make you more childish. Some teachings are designed to keep you as a child. Are you hearing this? Some teachings will make you Man dependent, not God dependent. Some teachings will not make you grow up in respect to salvation. I, I believe in seed sowing. I believe in I believe in giving and receiving. I believe people can sow sacrificially, can sow into the kingdom of God and all that. But you know, there's a way we thought taught seed sowing that it almost makes it look like if you have any problem all you need to do is just to sow a seed. Right? This is not to encourage your stinginess. I'm just saying something. So maturity does not now mean that you don't give at all. That's the extreme. Because sometimes we interpret maturity as not doing the basics. So you don't pray, you don't you say God uh, God is in my heart. Hmm? But what I'm saying is we've got these teachings that look like once you just sow a seed, then you don't need to do anything anymore. God will just look at it, say, How much you bring? Say for five thousand. They tell him to add something less of this problem. <laughs> and then and then you say, okay, God, how much will you take last? Say, this is your case, uh, 70. Say, okay, God, let me just do 75. And then, uh, what happens? 
that is done and problems are solved. Hmm? Then the next one, sometimes we've got these teachings that make it look like when you go to a specific spot or you go to a specific place, huh? problems are solved. Talking about spiritual maturity. So you have somebody who stays here, the comfortable place, quiet environment like this island, will travel all the way to the west and go and climb a mountain. Hmm? That he wants to pray. Because they've told him that God is on that mountain. And then they'll bring some water that's not even clean. Ragolis bottle. Say, this water came from that mountain. Jesus told the woman at the well that you will no longer say here or there, but they that worship the Lord will worship him in spirit and in truth. The God you're going to that mountain to meet lives in you. We like to punish ourselves. Because the more we punish ourselves, the more it looks like, mm-hmm. Right? So now we have all kinds of things being introduced to Christianity. Pastors encouraging people to pray naked. Because that's how God will really see them in their hearts, in their innocence. Father, you saw I did not wear anything. You are looking. No. Because when you wear clothes, he, he is not seeing you. He really wants to see you in your nakedness. And you have all kinds of things going on. Take seed, drop it on seven altars. So you belong to this church. You now divide your money into seven. I've dropped it in altar of redeem, the God of Adeboe. I've dropped it in altar of winners, the God of Bishop Adeboe. I've dropped it. In, I don't know if Christ Embassy will allow you to enter their church. It will drive you outside. You know we don't have God here, so <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Then you go to Martin of Miracle. I've dropped it. And you have this herbalist thing creeping in, and then what encourages it is you now hear some very ridiculous testimonies. Praise the Lord! After I dropped seven seeds, seven water, seven days, they now called me, and you know they gave me the job. And we have immaturity increasing in the body of Christ. And the reason you find out is that what we have is that we have testimonies, but we don't have character transformation. So we have rude believers in very good cars. Hmm? Troublesome Christians in big houses. Are you following that? Because if we activate the power of God, we will get miracles. But our growth is in respect to salvation. Are you following what I'm telling you now? So we're talking about growing up spiritually in a busy world. <laughs> growing up spiritually is not just ticking the boxes. I have prayed. I've read my Bible. No. It's a deliberate consciousness to mature in the things of God. To, mature, to be matured in the things of God. That's what it means to grow up. 
Because if you have a child and the child does certain things, you say, my friend, grow up. It's not as if the child is not physically developed, but his actions is not corresponding with his age. So when we talk about growing up spiritually, I'm not saying, hey, I read my Bible every day. No. Is that Bible changing you? Are you maturing in the things of God? Praise God. What are the myths about growth that you must watch for? What are the myths? What, what's a myth? Who can help me? What do, you, what do you know, what do you think, what do you understand by a myth? Mythology, what does it mean? Huh? A myth is a myth. <laughs> what is it? Who can help me? Yeah? What did you say? Long standing beliefs that are not true. Make sure your phones are off. Just make sure you do that right now. Long standing beliefs that are what? Not true. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. You should be a university lecturer. Long-standing beliefs that are not true. What are the myths about spiritual good? Number one, longevity as a Christian means I have grown. It's a myth. The fact that you were born again before the civil war does not mean you are spiritually matured. What, what did we say myths are, everyone? Long-standing beliefs that are what? Not true. And what's the number one myth in spiritual growth when it comes to Christians? Longevity. Hmm? I was here when they started this church. It does not mean you are matured. You were only here when it started. I gave my life to Christ in 1946. What that just meant was that's when you accepted the Lord. It does not mean you are matured. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. Hebrews 5 12. Let's destroy this myth. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Huh? That means you stayed long to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. Look at what Paul says. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Can you see that? Put the New Living Translation if you can. The NLT. Pay very close attention to this teaching. It will change your life. You have been believers so long. Now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again. The basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. He says by now you ought to be teachers. That means you have been so long as Christians. Where you ought to be, you know, there are some of you like that listening to me now. You ought to be teachers, but you still need milk. Hmm? Prayer must be 12 midnight before God answers. And these things are funny because your 12 midnight here is, is afternoon somewhere, is morning somewhere. Just a little bit of geography will solve all these things. But no, those are the people we like. The seven, seven mysteries about midnight prayer. I say, I've not seen it like that before. What have you not seen? I mean, should you pray anytime? Pray, you can pray anytime. 
Oh yeah, but Peter and James, they went to the temple at the hour of prayer. The Jews had the hour of prayer. Is there something spectacular about praying in the night? I don't know. Just pray when you need to pray. God will answer. And, and you know, these things are formed from the foundation of the fact that sociologically, we kind of understand that a lot of wicked things happen at night. Then we have in mind that it is 12 o'clock that witches fly. So in those days, they'll tell you that once it's 12 and you're sleeping with somebody suspected, they will turn them this other way. If they fly out in this position, they will not be able to come back in that position. I know some of you turned your brothers. Then we carry that into the church. And then you hear very sound, high sounding revelation about it. Very, almost convincing. Nobody eats poison with its labored poison. Poison is always eaten when you kill your rats. Don't let all these animal rights people catch you. But you know what you do, right? You put the endoset capsule, put it in the meat. You think if you just throw endoset capsule there, they have to eat it? No. Poison is always hidden in a bit of truth. So you have those things hidden in the truth about prayer. There's a discipline, I'll talk about it. There's a discipline of standing up in the night to pray. But not because there's something specific or the prayer will go faster, network will be less than, you know. No, no, no don't, don't do that. That's that's just being immature. Have you heard a teaching like, do good to people? You don't know who God is going to raise tomorrow to help you. Have you heard that kind of teaching? You know that's selfishness and wickedness. Because you're not doing good because you want to be good. You are investing for your tomorrow. That's transactional goodness. That's not what the scripture teaches. Hmm? Help people. Oh, you don't know tomorrow. Who God? God can use the gate man to help you. And so you are just helping people. Say, I'm helping you now. Tomorrow, if God raised you, help me. Or I'm helping you now. I mean, it's just selfish teaching. It's wickedness. You are not a good man. You are an investor. You are not a Christian. You are using people to go up. Have you seen where people are taught, give to the poor. If you give to the poor, God will help you. So they just look for poor. Are you poor? Say, no, I have some money. Say, get out. I don't know what I'm looking for. Are you poor? Say, no, I have money. Get out. I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for who I can use to make my destiny shine. Say, you are poor. Say, yes. Say, yes. Come. And then they now give you. Not because they want to help you. They are using your, whatever I've been taught, that when you give to the poor, when you cry to God, God will answer you. Say, so when you are not crying to God, yeah, Lord, remember, that poor man in church, I used to sit in I gave to him, now I'm crying. You see, you see how you brought business to the things. When the scripture says, it says, my house shall be called the house of prayer, you've turned into a den of thieves and robbers. It's not just those selling pigeons. It's people who peddle the word of God. They've taught you to do business with God. So if they tell you there's no heaven now, some of you will just say, thank God. Where, where be a day? Man, let's relax with this news. You don't like God. You don't want to serve God. Do you understand? The reason you are serving God is because you don't want to die. You don't want to be kidnapped. You are selfish. That's why when people relocate from here and go abroad, you know, I don't understand these people see Christianity in Africa. The way people say God is a lie. They know that robbers can catch them there again. Fear has been... Do you understand? So the foundation of the faith is not love for God. So that's why you feel that when people backslide, it's not because 
No, that's why you say that when people start getting prosperous, people start, they're, not, they're no longer as fervent as they should be with God because all the prayer point they ever had was that God should bless them. Now God has blessed them. Why do they need God anymore? Because all our messages are like that. All our messages make the poor feel bad and the rich feel good. And so I know the reason a lot of people are here is just trusting God. The God who built this church will build me. The God who built this church will build me. It's not building you. Learn God's word. And then stop all this Christianity that is not, is not sound. It cannot withstand the test of time. That's why little challenges, you know, and all of that. You know, I travel a lot to teach. And I struggle to teach in a lot of churches. Sadly so. Because a lot of churches are not trained to hear the teaching of God's word. A lot of churches are not trained. Like the motivational message, the exciting message. You're not trained to hear the truth. And sometimes you can see people's eyes just opening once they start discovering truth. I'm not saying that I'm the only one that teaches the truth. But what I'm saying is, listen, if we want to be matured, we've got to throw this childish form of Christianity that we inherited away and press on to stronger things. Are you hearing this? So the myth that you've you've been a Christian for a long time does not mean you've grown. So you've got to watch that. Hmm? Born again since 10 years doesn't mean you've grown. It's the desire you have for the milk of... That's why someone can come into church today and what happens? They grow fast. If you observe, when you first accepted the Lord or when you first came to church, hmm? what happened? There's desire. You know, the Lord was speaking to me about that some few months ago about getting back to the basics, going back to that same hunger. Because there's this excitement. I want to learn more. I want to learn more. I want to learn more. Then after a while, I know what the pastor is going to say. I will listen to the message later. Growth has started stopping. Hmm? The desire to be early to hear the beginning of the message. And pastor usually summarizes at the end. I will just pick the points. It's not how much you listen. It's just the nuggets that you are able to apply. You start developing philosophies of a backsliding believer. It's not how long you pray. It's making sure your prayer hits the target. It's not about going to church. I am the church. <laughs> Philosophy is of stunted growth. Then when you talk, you now start saying, when I used to pray. When we used to. When, if you say that as a child of God, know that you are taking some step backwards. It's not, a, it's not pride to say, mm, in those days when I used to pray. You should be ashamed to say that. Don't ever say that. The part of the just shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. It's not that his scars get better and better until he buys Lexus. It's that you're also getting matured. More matured in the things of God. Are you still here? Ask your neighbor, are you getting matured? Alright. Longevity. That's why some of the most difficult people to talk to is those who have been Christians for a long time. They'll bring all their experiences. Hmm? When we're in the first assemblies of God. <laughs> told the pastor when I was in the Second Baptist Church of Freetown. And when we now finally move here, I told myself, I want to observe. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Number two, 
Proximity to a pastor or a Bible teacher does not mean you are growing. Hmm? That you work for the pastor, you are the pastor's wife, you are the pastor's child, or you are even the pastor, does not mean you are growing. Some pastors stop growing after God called them. You know why? Because every time they read the Bible, they are seeing messages for other people. You know that can be the challenge as a pastor. Every verse, mm-hmm, this one will be good for them. They are not serious with God. <laughs> so every time you open the Bible, this message. You know how many times I preach in a week? Outside of preaching here, there are some meetings. I'll do Zoom meetings. I'll do articles. I'm writing. So you can imagine that if I'm not deliberate about my growth, everything is message for somebody else, not me. That's why sometimes you see pastors will do certain things. You wonder, well, how can a man of God do that? No, the man of God thing is the office. Being a Christian is a different thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you are first a man before you are of God. So you have to develop, you have to grow as a pastor, as a leader. That's why some people, when they put them in leadership in church, they stop growing because now they feel that becoming a leader means that I am now matured. The pastor did not know my spiritual maturity. You now made me immensely that you think he's joking. Our pastor can see. That stops your growth. That's why sometimes when you hear some ministers of the gospel, there's no fresh word. There's no fresh word. I mean, you're putting messages together, you're doing stuff, you're doing stuff. We'll talk about that. You're so busy, you're not growing. So proximity to a pastor, a Bible teacher does not mean you're growing. You can be close to an anointed man of God and be immature. Maturity is not transferred by Bluetooth. Hmm? You know when you want to transfer items by Bluetooth, what happens? You bring the phone closer. Uh-huh. It's not like that. So you can be close to someone and you know you're not matured. If you don't learn from them. Let me give you scriptures. John 14, 9. John 14, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Philip said, show us the Father. <laughs> Philip said, I've told you about this before, right? Philip said, show us the Father. And Jesus has been teaching. I am the Father of one. I do the things that, I mean, the guy has taught stuff about. Yeah? And Philip just said, Lord, I have one question. Just one. You know, I don't like asking many questions like Peter. I don't like talking all the time like Peter. Just want, say, Lord, show us the Father. And it's enough for us. Stop all these teachings. Parts are too much. Hmm? Show us the Father. And it's enough for us. <laughs> Look at Jesus' reply. Look at Jesus' reply. Verse 9. He says, Have I been with you for so long a time and yet you have not come to know me, Philip. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? He says, have I been with you, verse 9, have I been with you so long? That means that they were with Jesus, but they didn't even know. Closeness to a spiritually matured person does not mean you are matured. Hearing the teachings every day doesn't mean you're matured. I, I love books. I absolutely love books. I've got a huge library. Beautiful library. Awesome library. My library will keep growing and growing and growing and growing. But you know, one day I sat, I sat in front of my library. 
Look at my huge library. I just told myself, you know, the answers to my problems are in books in this library that I have not read. How many of you have books you have not read? Let me see your hands. If you don't raise your hand, that means you don't have books. So we know you. But how many of you, honestly, honestly, you have bought books that you have not read? Raise your hand. You see, proximity to those books does not mean your ignorance is cured. We are in the same boat. You know, how many of you really buy books? How many book lovers do I have in church? You really like books. How many of you tell yourself, I'm not buying any book this year again. I want to settle down and read. And then you just walk into a bookshop. And you're like, <laughs> give me that one. This is the last one. Right? So, what am I saying? The fact that you have those books does not mean you know what is in them. It's the same thing with spiritual growth. You can have this Bible and you'll be the most immature believer ever. You see all those drivers that put Bible in front of their car. Then you now hear one funny story. One car got accident, got burned. Only the Bible did not burn. Then you too, you now need to buy Bible and just put there. And you know, I like those drivers when you enter public transport. They'll start with worship music to start the journey. Midway, they will enter Bob Marley and David O. Then towards the end, they will close it with. <laughs> and some of you are like that. That's how you start your day. Start your day with you song. I surrender all to you, you cry. And on your way to work, just put the video playlist. Mm. <laughs> Whiskey. Mm. Then, if they are complaining a lot about the country, just say, Fellow is a prophet. You, a Christian. A Christian. Sephela is one of the fivefold ministers. Eh? Sephela is a prophet. Say, Play that fella music for me. Suffering and smiling. Say, mm-hmm. He saw it. <laughs> he saw it. <laughs> And then on your way back, you are coming for Bible study. Just put your mind, Jesus, to prepare your heart to receive the word. <laughs> That's why you are not growing. Let me tell you, eh? don't deceive yourself. Hmm? Because the problem with that kind of Christianity is that you are not enjoying the world, you are not enjoying Jesus. Choose one. If you are an unbeliever we need to reach, let it be clear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're a Christian, let it be clear. Even God does not like lukewarmness. He will spit you out. He rather you are as wicked as Pharaoh, then he knows how to handle you. Or you're like Moses. Hmm? Every time you see a call to action in the scriptures, is a call to taking sides. Don't sit on the fence. Number three. Being busy... Serving the Lord does not mean you are growing. So you are a church worker. You are a church staff. Serving the Lord. It does not mean you are growing. We are talking about what? Myths. Mythology. Long standing beliefs. Hmm? And you know the story. Because of our time, we won't read it. But you know the story, right? Mary and Martha. You know these two women have suffered. Every pastor has used them to preach. Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Let's just read it again to refresh your mind. Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Mary and Martha. Luke 10, 41. To be busy does not mean you're growing up spiritually. 
Uh, let's read from verse 38 quickly. Now as they were traveling along, along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to the word. Listening to the word. Can I tell you something? As a Christian, listening to the word is a priority for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you know, when you're listening to the word, what should you be doing? Seated. Paying attention. Look at this. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Work. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. Can you imagine um, 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 Martha came to counsel Jesus? Every time, word, 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 word. <laughs> Look at, <laughs> you say, tell, tell. <laughs> this is funny. You see, when we read about Jesus in the scriptures, you, you know, you stand in, oh, Jesus our Lord. If you see how these people talk to Jesus, you'll be surprised. Imagine Jesus, creator of heaven and earth, savior, Messiah, Yeshua, sat down, was talking. Matana said, eh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> eh, I don't know how you people who are pastors look at things, so, but if you, if, you, if, you, if you look at this situation very well, you see that this, my sister, is not. Can you just tell her to help me in the kitchen? Then this you people's discussion, you can continue later. That's, what, that's my translation. That's what... Is that what Mary said? Is that what Martha said? Hey, come on. Read it again. That's what Martha said. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. Do you think if you come and say, don't you think this person has left me to do all the serving alone? You're going to say it with a beautiful face? Come on. Are you going to say such a statement with honor in your heart? No. It's like, hey, come on. What's going on here? I'm the only one working. Tell Mary to help. I thought you were Jesus. You knew all things. This is basic. Thank God that Jesus had patience. If it was easy, do you know who you are talking to? You will not go to heaven. <laughs> but, but the Lord answered. But the Lord answered and said to her, Matter, matter, you are worried and bothered about so many things. You know, matter will have thought, but it's you I want to feed. Did I say I was hungry? Because legitimate things are the things that take us out of listening to the word. That's why most church workers don't grow. It's a matter of syndrome. But it's you who are serving, Pastor. Yes. But we're trying to help the church. Yes. If you are not careful, Jesus will also call you. John, John. You are bothered by many things. But look at this. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good parts which shall not be taken away from her. The position you are in church today can be taken away from you. But your spiritual growth, what you know in God, cannot be taken away from you. You can be head usher today, and we can choose that you are no longer head usher. Hmm? But whatever you know in Christ, you know, if you say, I'm no longer the pastor of this church, does it mean that everything I know is vanished away? No! That's what, I mean, that's the simplest explanation of this scripture. Your work will not grow you. What you know is what stays with you. Every position you occupy in the church is temporary. Are you here? Whether you are a pastor, you can be posted. Whether you are a head of women, they can change you. 
So if you make that all about your church work and you don't grow, you're not mature spiritually. If, if we, let me go on. Four things about growth. Write this down. I need to finish this today. Four things about growth. Can you tell me the three myths about growth? What's the number one thing? Longevity as a Christian does not mean you have what? Grown. What's number two? Proximity to a pastor or a Bible teacher does not mean you are growing. Number three? Being busy serving the Lord does not mean you are what? Growing. Are Are we on the same page? Four things about growth. Number one, it is deliberate. Growth is deliberate. When you give birth to a child, do you feed the child when the child is hungry? Okay, let me ask the question again. Or let me put it this way. If you feed the child only when the child is hungry, will the child grow? What do you do to a newborn baby? You feed as at when due. Right? How many of you have kids that don't like to eat? Huh? Have some children like that, I don't like to eat. You know they are not saving you money. Huh? You have to force them to eat. They have to eat for their own growth. So, growth starts with, I'm going to grow. Deliberate, decision. Desire, the sincere make of the world that you might grow thereby. It starts with a desire. I've been, you know, and I'll talk to you about this. Right? If you're not deliberate about growth, you will not grow. You will, see, if you don't have a schedule for growth, forget it. You're not growing. You don't grow by osmosis. You know what osmosis is, right? What's osmosis? Sorry? Movement of? From where to where? <laughs> from higher to lower. So, from lower to higher. Okay. When we say read so that you understand, you read to pass. Osmosis now, confusion has entered church. Some say it's from higher to lower. Some say it's from lower to Some say it's just flow. So far the thing is flowing. It's, it's osmosis in nature. Forget it. But it, you've got to be deliberate. Revelation will not just flow into your life. The Holy Spirit will bring things to your remembrance. At least you should know what he should remind you of. Can you remind someone of something he doesn't know? Praise God. Can you remind someone of something he doesn't know? No. It's when somebody knows something that you remind them. That's why if you help, I mean you shouldn't as a believer. But I mean, people who help people in the exam hall. You know if you help a dull person in the exam hall, you are in trouble. They'll copy your, they'll copy your, they might even copy your name. Copy your exam number. There's some people you can show them the sheet and say, this is it. You say, where, where I will start to copy <laughs> My friend, copy now. They, they will tell you to help them spell. So, helping those people is more trouble for you. But if, if someone is sharp, you don't even need to show them everything. You just said, oh, it's a, I remember that formula. Are you following? Can you say, oh, what's the formula for this? What's the formula for that? And say, oh, did it? Oh, okay, okay, forget. I remember now. The, the guy has something. You can't grow spiritually if your head has nothing. If you just come to church and just sit down and just look in, I like my pastor. If the man is teaching, he can make us laugh. You're not growing. That's not how growth comes. It's got to be deliberate. Are you following this now? Number two, it has to be intentional. 
It has to be intentional. Number three, it has to be measurable. We cannot talk about growth if it's not measured. That's why you see your kids, right? They will stand by the wall. Hmm? Say, oh, I'm this tall, I'm that tall, I'm this tall. Measurable. You can say the child is 10 years old, is 15 years old, is 20 years old. Measurable. That means that I should be able to measure my growth. You see, one of the ways you can measure your growth is how loving are you now? How patient are you? You see, I'll just tell you, in summary, you know how you measure your growth? Fruit of the Spirit. Are you able to walk in love more? It's not that your tongues have become deeper. Before when you used to pray in tongues, you used to pray, but now you pray, it's the sound that changed. You have not grown. Do you understand? It's the sound that changed. So my tongue used to be light in those days. Now my tongues are heavy. You don't measure mature people by tongues. You measure them by the fruits of the Spirit. Are you more patient? Before you used to insult drivers as you drive. But now you are calmer. Now you are more loving. Now you are more gentle. In those days when people insult you, you are clear. You say, hey, listen, listen, I would have insulted you back. It's just because I'm a Christian. You, know, that's, that's, you feel bad that you are a Christian. You... You feel that this Christianity is restraining. How many people still feel like I like ah? God should just leave me. Just give me one opportunity to show. And then you will tell them if I show you my real self, which means that the new creation is not the real you. The new creation is the one you are managing so that God will not punish you. But the real you is the one that that was not born again. That's the one you like. Even if you know me before, you cannot talk to me. <laughs> And then you start having things like Christianity is not stupidity. To be, throw those things away. What is not in the word is not eternal. He, he was led to the cross and he opened not his mouth. Is that not stupidity? It almost looks like it. Hmm? When Jesus says, if they hit you on this cheek, turn the other cheek. You think that's a good instruction to give your disciples? You are about to die. You say, if they slap us there, we should turn the other one. And he didn't clarify how hard with the slab be. <laughs> you know, Peter, I like Peter. Peter asked some very practical questions. He said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Because this is my brother. There are things that I have in mind I want to do today. <laughs> you see, in your Christian life, be real with God. Have real conversations with God. If you are struggling to forgive somebody, when you go to the place of prayer, tell the Lord, I'm struggling to forgive this person. If I have my way, I will kill them. But I need help. Don't pretend in prayer before God. Lord, I'm struggling with this. Holy Spirit, can you... That's what Peter asks very practical questions. And you see, most of us have confidence in Jesus because of the questions of Peter. Yeah? Those of us are in full-time ministry. It was because Peter asked. That, see, sir, I just want to clarify something. You know I had fishing business. I have a wife and a mother. Now, we have left all these things to follow you. How? Let's, I don't, you know, we are saying, Rabbi, you are a good teacher, you are doing miracles, but children have to go to school. Let's, how is this thing going? And Jesus says, in this life, you reap a hundredfold and persecution. Peter said, no problem. We'll take the hundred and manage the persecution. Clear questions. You know, Peter asks very direct questions, very straightforward. Let's know. If there's no future here, let's go back to fishing because. I'm not going to be following Rabbi all the time and say, you know, the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is here. I mean, 
when he was going to heaven, the disciples asked him, the issue of this kingdom and restoration, how is it? Because you are about to go. You know? And that's why, that's why, that's why Philip asked Jesus this question. Because Jesus was talking about his death. He said, now, you are talking father, 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 father. <laughs> if you live now, and you don't understand how these guys served God, they were considered as rebels. See, the way you view Boko Haram terrorists today, that's how the followers of Jesus were viewed. So it wasn't like it was convenient following Jesus. So they wanted to be clear that, listen, this thing has to pay off. That's why when Jesus resurrected, went to the grave, they had to lock themselves in fear. Because the Jews would come after them and kill them. Praise God. Alright. Growth has to be practical. Okay? So we're not talking about spiritual growth. We're not talking about a spooky, weird feeling. Hmm? If you are not being intentionally dis- be- let, let me give you this quote by a man called Chris Cruz. If you're not being intentionally being discipled by Jesus, you are unintentionally being discipled by the culture of the world. That means if you are not intentional about being discipled by Jesus, it means the world is discipling you. You are not a free man. When people say, I'm a free thinker, you are not a free thinker. Your thoughts are influenced by someone. You know the concept of tabula rasa, right? Who knows that? Clean slate, thank you. Clean slate. When a child is born, his mind is tabula rasa, clean slate. So what fills that tabula rasa? Experiences. Hmm? Three things. <laughs> Three things influence who you are now. Maybe we'll spend time to deal with this. Three things influence how you are living now, even your Christian faith. Right? Your, your nurture, nature, and culture. How many of you remember that? If you did social studies or sociology. How many of you remember culture and nurture? Do I have more engineers here than? Huh? How many of you know nature, nurture? Nature, the nurture, and your culture. Those are the three things that influence who you are. How you see people is how you were raised. If you were raised in an environment of distrust, hmm, you would hardly trust people. In fact, something happened. I, I, I went to Abuja recently, and I went to a church, and then, you know, they called this girl. I think she was working in the bank or something, but she had very limited time. So she rushed down because I wanted to buy quite a number of books, but, but quite a number of books. So she, rushed, she just said, I'm, I'm going to send you the, the cost of the books and everything later. I have to rush to work, and, and then you can do the payments. So when I was coming down, I asked Pastor Paul, I was like, ah, this is strange. She just trusted us that we would pay. The pastor now says something that I believe that they have been raised in an atmosphere of trust in this church. And that was big. You know there are some of you that don't trust anybody. No, no, no. You know there are people like that. It's because uh, the one that says yes, so you know that one is like, eh, uh, uh, pastor. You see, what I'm trying to say is your environment. Eh? Maybe many people have scammed you. Hmm? You now say, I'm now wiser. Eh? That's why sometimes the most difficult person to fall in love is the one that they have broken their hearts. Their heart is strong. If you like, read poem, buy candle, buy... They'll say, when you finish everything, show me your research. This is how John did when he bought candle. And bro- I mean, I mean, I mean... I mean. <laughs> you have to work extra hard. Culture. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. 
By the way, come this evening. I'm teaching on who should a Christian marry. So if you are not married, come this evening. If you are married, don't come. Because you can't change who you are married. I'm, I'm just joking. Where was I? Quote. We live in a busy world. Everything around you would not give you time to grow. This is important. This is important. Amen. Okay, it's looking like I'll continue this on Sunday, uh, on Wednesday, right? Because I don't want to rush this. So, I'll continue this on Wednesday. I still have quite a lot of stuff to teach you. But let's look at this. We live in a busy world. Everything around you would not give you time to grow. You see, we talk about spiritual growth as being deliberate, right? Everything around you will not give you that time. Hello? Let me tell you. If you are married, your wife will not give you time to grow. Your husband will not give you time to grow. Your children will not give you time to grow. Your friends will not give you time to grow. You know what? Your job will not give you time to grow. What am I saying in essence? Nothing in this world by default will give you the time for your spiritual activity. Nothing. You know, some people feel, oh, you know, I mean, marriage is beautiful. Marriage is amazing. Then you get married. Eh? And the children come. How many of you, your study life improved after you gave birth? <laughs> I want to see the miracle workers in this church. I'll just drop the pastoral button and hand over to you. How many of you, you know, your, I mean, your prayer life. I'm not saying that the child had trouble. You know, maybe you give birth to a child and then there's something you're dealing with the child. Everything will prove that's what I'm saying. Everything is okay. Hmm? Then you gave birth to your second child. Come on, look at giants. Eh? Come on, how many of you? Those of you who have five children, how do you do it? Huh? No time. How many of you realize no time? Hey, hey, am I, am I talking on behalf of the women? Eh? Do you realize there's no time, women, for you to grow up spiritually? As you are in the kitchen, you are cooking breakfast, they are going to school. Before you raise your head, it's 10.30. What are you thinking of? Oh, talk to me now. What are you thinking of? Lunch. Then they come back by school, from school. Then school teacher comes. Then they have forgotten all their notebooks. You help them to start searching for their notebooks. Assignments. Then what are you thinking of? Come and talk to me. What are you thinking of? Dinner. Then you finish dinner. Huh? What are you thinking of again? You are thinking of sleeping. And your husband is waiting for you. I am here again. I am here again. Sister, I am here again. Holy Ghost, come and take control. Let's do it. <laughs> and your husband is waiting for you. They're like, I'm tired. He says, see, I did not marry you yet. And then, the little time you just said you will pray, your husband has taken that time. By the time you're done, you're exhausted. That's not you. 6.30. And you're on that for 10 years. Hmm? You think, oh, when the children grow and they leave, I would have peace. And then they grow and now say, ah, mommy, we have given birth. Then you rush down again. Huh? Or say one of your in-laws is fighting somewhere. Then you now go, somebody has died. <laughs> you know? I mean, and your job, promotion comes. You are now supervisor. A lot of things. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Saints, nobody will give you time to grow. If you don't seize time to grow, you will not grow. And these things are not bad things. The job God gave to you is not a bad thing. But your boss was not designed to give you time to grow spiritually. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, I, I, I don't want to rush this, but be here on Wednesday. I'll talk about how Jesus found time to grow as a man. So, we'll talk about four principles by which Jesus grew. I, I really don't want to rush this because I believe it's important. But do you understand what I'm trying to say today? We've got to grow up in a spiritually busy world. And you see, if you don't grow up spiritually, when the challenges of life comes, your spirit will not be able to sustain it. Let me read something that Corey Blake said, and then I think we can begin to wrap up. If we allow the hours and hours of worldly impute each day, why only receiving limited biblical impute each week? We should not be surprised when our attitudes and our outlooks are more worldly than biblical. What you set your mind on, you become. The most important aspect of becoming what God has already made you is your consistent desire for the things of God. Like anything else, you can choose to develop an appetite for anything you set your will for. You must decide and then begin keeping that in front of your eyes. And I'll show you that Jesus as a man had to make time to grow up spiritually. You know, I've been thinking about that. Even as a pastor, as the responsibilities increase, you've got to make time to grow. You've got to make time to study the Word. How many of you growing up used to listen to messages and take notes? Did anybody have that practice? Maybe in the university. Let me see. University. Huh? Let's be honest. Mr. Mark, do you think you still have the time to do that today? If you don't cover the time, you will not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because right there, you were free. But do you know that that's a strong discipline to growing up spiritually, to maturing? I'm not talking about listening to messages now and you're washing plates. Hmm? You hear five minutes, you miss six minutes. You hear five minutes, the child, your children will cry for ten minutes. You say, what did the preacher say? He said, don't worry, I'll, I'll catch it later. I'll catch it later. <laughs> if you are not deliberate about growth, you will not grow. The world is peace. And it will not get lesser. You know, I was thinking about it. When we had only cassette tapes, there was this rechargeable we had in school. Hmm? One red rechargeable with two bulbs. And had a tape. Ah, my own suffered. Oh boy, my own suffered. We listened to music. And the batteries were very strong. Listen to messages. I mean, listen to messages. Write down notes. Listen to messages. Write down notes. Listen to messages. Write down notes. Copy because the cassettes didn't belong to you, so you need to take as much as you can from that cassette tape before you give it back. Sometimes we we'll go to bookshops, we we'll buy two different cassettes, okay, so we can have two messages or two books. I remember I went to one of my friend's place one time and I saw Brother Higgins' book and I said, I want to take it. My friend said, Over your dead body, this book is not living in this house because to get Brother Higgins' book there, I had to sit up all night to read the book, all night to read and write as much as I can. I remember a friend of mine that photocopied parts of the Amplified Bible. Yeah. Yeah. My first Amplified Bible, I saved up to six months to buy it. 500 naira. I cannot forget that Amplified. You remember that Amplified that came out small? It was 500 naira. Ha! That money, I saved it. 
The day I bought it, it was like, this is the biggest man of God on this campus. I, I made sure I didn't put it in a paper bag. They said, I put it in a paper bag. I said, no, no, no. This cannot, this cannot be hidden. I held it. I made sure that Bible followed me everywhere. My friend <laughs> couldn't save that money. So he photocopied some parts. Hebrews, some parts in Hebrews. Some, I mean, there was no internet. So you needed, you needed this resource. Today you have Bibles on your phone, Bibles everywhere, audio Bible, still not growing. So the reason is because of busyness. Then we didn't have many things. It's not like today you are in 100 level, you already have a fiancé. Then you are not even thinking of marriage. It's just how to go back home and say, I have passed. Because the whole village was waiting for the fact that you are an engineer. And if they say, if you say you fall in love, they will kill that girl before. You see, come, say this is the only one child, they cannot fall in love. Hmm? Today, eh? young, already six relationships. So as we are studying the word, you will just remember what. Sorry, John, I'm using your name today. Is only your name that's coming? You are a good man, don't mind that. Eh? You are just studying the. Maybe you just open to the book of John. Instead of seeing John the Apostle, I say, Hi! John was wicked. John was wicked. <laughs> then that, you know, that study life is gone. That one is gone. You now cry. Oh, Father, you will do it. And then you go on Facebook. And the devil has a way of setting your algorithm up. You just now see John married. Say, You marry. After what you did to me, <laughs> you now enter prayer. You will not do it. I mean, I mean. <laughs> distraction hmm? many projects distraction many friends distraction so you can be on chat two hours because as you want to shut down for the night one will just call hi <laughs> so huh Television is not even a distraction nowadays because most people don't have time for the television box. Our phones are now the distraction. So you cannot even separate yourself to pray. Saints, we can, we can laugh about this message, but this is big in the heart of God. We ought to grow. We ought to grow. Look at the things that cause offenses in church amongst us. Little things. This one did not greet me. You know, little things. Paul says, if there's still divisions and strife among you, says, are you not canal? Look at the things we fight over, even in the body of Christ. Look at the things that give you concern. God says, don't be anxious for anything. You, you are anxious for everything. Anything that makes you not to be anxious is a miracle. Everything you are anxious. Anxiety. Envy, strife, slander. All these things find expression in your body when you're not growing up spiritually. That's the truth. You, you, you see, there are things you overcome by growth. When my kids were small, smaller, both of them used to have, they used to fight a lot. Hmm? We would separate them. We would stop, stop, stop. You know. Sometimes the way the, the, the younger one would cry, I would just stomp into the room. And, you know, the scripture says that if you... <laughs> it says the first person to speak is right until he's cross-examined. 
Eh? I'll just take a word and then I'll shout on the brother. And then by the time they, they explain the situation, it's covered that ah, you are wrong. Ah, you have shouted. You just say, It's okay, it's okay. You people next to you, you are wrong. You know that you have. It's okay, it's okay. don't worry. You know. But I realized that as Caris got older, some of the things that used to make him upset, he would just laugh. Sometimes we just scream the sister's name. You know, maturity, you are gruesome things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are still bickering, hmm? if you are still in those kind of neighborhood where you still sweep front of your house with the broom and make sure your neighbor to the right and your neighbor to the left is clear that, see, I did not sweep the front of your house. You need to grow up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The proof of your growth is how you love the wicked and the unlovable. That's the proof of your growth. It's not how many times you sit in these chairs. You can sit here till forever and not grow. You can listen to me till forever and not grow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's why if you're single, I want you to be in this evening's meeting where I'm teaching on who you can marry as a Christian. One of the greatest things that stops people's spiritual growth is when people marry unequally. You want to be on fire for God. The woman does not want to move an inch. So you would have a house where you have two people and they have different mindsets concerning spiritual things. That's why the scripture says, listen, you can't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Because after the marriage ceremony, after the love, after the wedding, after the pictures, what's the next assignment? Growth. So much is a reality. <laughs> Which is true. Growth. You now have to live the life. You now have to work day by day. Will that person forgive you because they follow Christ? Or they'll forgive you by marking points? That's why you know, that's it. Because there, I mean, there are people who go to their journal and tell you in 1942, it was a Wednesday. That Wednesday, Pastor wore blue. That's where you committed this offense. I forgive you, but I did not forget. <laughs> And say, if you think I'm lying, rain fell that day. <laughs> and you remember you put a bucket outside. It was white buckets. And you now know that you've married an intelligent woman. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We receive this word with meekness in our hearts. That as you begin to stir us in the spots of growing up spiritually in a busy world. We know that this is a prophetic message that you're giving to us to channel our hearts, to change our hearts, to transform our hearts, to become more like you. Our goal, Jesus, and our heart desire is to come into the fullness of your will for our lives. We pray that you will take this message, you will burn it into the hearts of people that listen all over the world, and you use it to cause a transformation in our lives, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's just bow our heads While we worship the Lord for a moment I'd just like you to make a commitment today Don't be in a hurry We'll close shortly But just make a commitment today That you'll be deliberate about your growth That you'll be deliberate about your growth And if you're in the service You're not born again This is an opportunity To accept the Lord Jesus all you need to do is ask him into your heart and say, Father, I repent of my sins. 
I come before you. In this world, I acknowledge that you're my Lord and my Savior. And I pray, Father God, that you will help me the one thing walk in your ways. I was created for. I was made you to take that step of faith. You go before the Lord. So he redeems precious Jesus. As we meditate on the song, the least that I can. Let's not be dragged away. He redeems. It's a crazy world out there. It's a wicked world out there. We can't survive without deepening ourselves in it's Him. It's my praise. It's my Things might be tough. It's my Things might be rough. They might not be the way you want. But I challenge you. Let's sink our root deeper in Christ. You might be in the service this morning and it looks like you're imperfect. But God is gracious. God is gracious. God is gracious. God is gracious. It's the least that I can do. Make a commitment today. You go back to those books. You go back to those messages. You go back to your study life. Don't let your children distract you. Cut out the time for prayer. Cut out the time for the word. And I sing it from my heart. Thank you, Lord. Just to tell you how much I'm in love with you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.